I wanted to turn just for a few moments before we, because I know you're coming to see these pictures rather than to hear me speak to you. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 16. The last chapter of the first letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. First Corinthians chapter 16. And we're just reading the verse 9, please. Paul was, I suppose, the greatest missionary, apart from the Savior himself. And he's writing this letter to the church at Corinth, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And uh, he was going to move on, but he writes these words to the church at Corinth, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. A great door and effectual was opened unto the Apostle Paul. And I, I think we could uh, apply this to our own area as well. And I just want to spend, as I say, a few moments just and uh, leaving this we thought with you <clears throat> it ties in with my thoughts uh, of my trip to Uganda and as I noticed uh, the children in Sunday school on Sunday morning uh, I thought of the great door that is open to us in this area in Coleraine not everybody is called to be a missionary. Not everybody leaves their home church and goes to the furthest corners of the earth, but God needs missionaries at home as well. He needs them as well as he needs them in the far-flung corners of the earth. In our area, I think I could safely say is a very, very needy area. Multitudes, multitudes, without the Lord, and they need to hear the gospel. And as I looked at the turnout of Sunday school children on Sunday morning, and then as I looked at the parents that were gathered in, uh, up in the gallery, uh, there must have been half of the people in the gallery were all from the local area, unconverted. And as we looked at the ones in the church, uh, quite a crowd of unsaved people then. And surely that, folk, this evening is the mission field that we are in. Now that's simple, but uh, you don't need to learn a language. You don't even, I think, need to learn a dialect. If you go to speak to people in Bali Sally, they'll understand you even if you come from Dervik or from Bushmills, uh, or even Port Stewart, you know, uh, they'll understand, whereas it's different if someone leaves and has to go to a foreign land. And so, 
I would encourage you to think about this area here. Coleraine, if you want to take in Port Rush, Port Stewart. Uh, I don't know how many thousand, maybe nearly 30,000 in this local area. That's a mission field. And we're so thankful for the Sunday school that has opened up. As I was saying to somebody on Sunday, we started September a year ago. And we hadn't a Sunday school because COVID was here. And our brother David and others started from scratch and built up. John had left off before that and had a good number. And now we're starting to see it building up again. And that should encourage us as members of the church to pray, to support, whatever way we can, the work of God here. And so a great door, and I repeat Paul's words here concerning the work at Ephesus, a great door and effectual has opened unto us opportunities that are around us to spread the gospel. And I trust that as a church, as we finish this year and as we start a new year, that my God will give us a vision. God will give us a vision of our mission field. And that we might even say, Lord, what, what will you have me to do? What would you want me to do? Oh yes, my brother and my sister, they're involved, but what could I do to reach one person in 2023? Just one person. I don't know who's, how many's here tonight. Are there 30? 25, 30? You think about it? If I reach one next year, and bring them under the sound of the gospel. If you reach one next year and bring them under the sound of the gospel, and God works and moves in their hearts, we can't. It's our duty to bring them under the sound of the gospel and pray that God will work in their hearts. This time next year, we could have 60 at our prayer meeting. It's not hard to add up, sure it's not. But I just leave that thought with you. A great door and a factual is opened onto us. And I saw the young people on Sunday night. Young lives, just everything in front of them. Starting out. If God would lay his hand upon one or two or three and say, I want you to labor for me. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That'd be a blessing to this church. Now, he may take them to a far-off land, I don't know. Or he may just take them to Harper's Hill or to labor in this church. So you pray that God will give each one of us a burden uh, as we face another year. We desperately need to see God work and to, God move, and to see God move. I leave that challenge with you this evening. I'd like to thank David for operating that.
David's a great help to me. I don't know what I'd do without him. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he would be glad whenever I went to Uganda. I was away for five weeks. <laughs> no more bother. No, I know he doesn't think that at all. But anyway, David's going to... Oh, that, that's going to work, David. Can you work it? I have nothing here. I don't like these gadgets, by the way. Uh, whenever we were working with children's meetings, we just did a big, big, long... Uh, roll of wallpaper. Turned it around. You remember that, folks, huh? Big roll of wallpaper. That was terrific. We thought it was very modern. And you just kept pulling the roll of wallpaper down and all the choruses appeared. Didn't matter whether the lights went out or were on. You know, there we are. We're here in Uganda. I suppose my trip to Uganda was one of the most enjoyable trips ever I had. And I've had quite a few trips. I remember the very first trip before Stephen and Helen were even married, we went to Jamaica out to see Paul and Pamela Fitzsimons. And that was a great trip. And I've had, I didn't go through it all. I've been all over the place. But, and I've enjoyed them all. Uh, but there was something just about this trip. I've been in Uganda before, as you know, but uh, this trip was just something special. I needed it, to be quite honest, and I talked to the Reverend McMillan about it. I got a phone call, how it started. I got a phone call from the Reverend David McMillan, and he said, would you like to go back to Uganda? And I said, well, give me 24 hours to think about it. I didn't need five minutes to think about it. <laughs> but I thought it was more spiritual, you know, rather than just jumping in. Uh, <laughs> give me a day to think about it. And I thought about it. I phoned up the Reverend Erwin. And I, I told him what I had been asked to do. And uh, I said, I want you to pray. That the Lord will lead and guide and so I phoned her back the next day, and I said, yes, I'll go to Uganda. When do you want to go? How long do you want to go for? Well, I said, whenever it suits you, I'll go for four or five or six weeks. Uh, Noel Hughes. Noel, not Hughes. What's his name, Marvel? Shields. He was out for doing four Sundays. So I said I would follow on after that. And... Uh, Alistair Hamilton, he did all the arranging, got the flight sorted out, and uh, sent me the tickets and everything. And our brother David, he fixed up my insurance for me, just in case something would happen. So I flew from Dublin to Doha. I never heard of Doha in my life. Didn't know where it was. I had to ask Alistair. I says, where's, where's Doha? Oh, he says, it's out in the Middle East somewhere. <laughs> So anyway, everybody knows where Doha is now. Because that's where the World Cup was, apparently. So anyway, flew to there, massive airport. Love walking around airports, so I do. Sitting drinking a cup of coffee and just people watching. You know, wonder where they're going. Wonder where she's going. What's that family doing? What, what are they doing here, you know? And uh, you could sit for hours, people watching. Being nosy, just really, you know, like. And uh, so I, I went to Doha, 
And uh, whenever you're my age, you ask people, where's such and such a place? Where's gate 13B or whatever, in case you would get lost? But everybody's very, very helpful. So I went to that, to Entebbe, that's in Uganda. Uh, the first flight was five hours, the second was seven and a half. And her sister Noreen was there in the big jeep to lift me, to take me to a manual school. There's another three hours trip. Uh, to, we'll get to this boy in the cabbage sometime, David. Uh, <laughs> I'm sort of going through this wee uh, program first, and then we can just slip through them very quickly. Need to keep my eye on the time. Emmanuel School, 440 children, right from tiny tots right up to 18, 19-year-olds. Uh, they have A-level students, uh, GCSE students, as we would call them here, and uh, two school principals, uh, one for the junior school and one for the senior. And Noreen, she oversees the whole work in uh, Emmanuel School. It's a big, big site. You'll see it just in a few moments' time. And uh, Noreen does a marvelous job. She's, she's worth three men. I always tell the mission board she's worth three men. And uh, she does a great job and always smiling and great to have a chat with. Uh, assembly in the morning at half seven. If the weather's good, they all stand outside, the children in big rows. I used to see that happening in the Philippines. And they all stand beside their flag. And uh, they would sing their national anthem and so on. That's assembly in the morning. They go to their class at eight. And then in the afternoon assembly at 4.30, uh, which most, or I, I took the assembly in the afternoon, half seven getting up and having an assembly at that time was just too early for an old boy like me, so I just let Noreen do that. And uh, mostly in the talks and the assembly in the afternoon, there was maybe 300 children plus, plus all the teachers. And they had a chorus singing, and then I would have passed on a message, 15 minutes, children message. I went through the Gospel of John, uh, the I Ams of Christ, uh, then spent a wee while on the Apostle Paul, his conversion, uh, the conversion of Lydia, uh, the Philippian jailer, and uh, then I moved to John 10, the Good Shepherd, uh, it was just a sort of a sequence. You maybe spent two, three afternoons on the one uh, subject because I didn't want to uh, bore the children, and it was, was quite good, I think. And so that was the assembly, and then the uh, teacher's Bible study was on a Wednesday. It was at 4 p.m., uh, just before the assembly at 4.30, so there was about 30 teachers came to it. And uh, then the assembly after that, I went through John 13, uh, the betrayal of the Savior by Judas uh, and Peter, and then into John 14. Uh, I didn't, you know, you know those chapters well yourselves. 
But I took those just as guidelines so as to know where I was going and so on. And then the prayer meeting on a Thursday uh, after the assembly, <coughs> it started at quarter past five, went on to half six. And then on the Friday, school finished an hour earlier, uh, there was the assembly, and then we moved to an open air meetings uh, in the local area. And that was a great opportunity. Just draw the jeeps up beside uh, a few houses or in a village. Uh, Thomas, he got the open air equipment, just the same as Peter would use here and Johnny, very same, and uh, put it in the back of the jeep and had an open air. You could have had quite a number there. Listening, you didn't have to ask, you just drove up and uh, parked the jeep and had an open air. So that was a great opportunity once every week. And then the prison services, Mr. Madol, you would love that. You just drive up to a prison and there's just a barbed wire fence around it and uh, the gates lying open. And you go in and you see about maybe, well, the first prison there was about, I think about 40 at it. And uh, the boss man, he called them all and they put a big tarp down in the grass and they all sat around. Everybody came. There wasn't just free peas there. There was all sorts and classes. <laughs> and oh, there were some sad, sad looking cases. And we were able to bring the gospel to them. We talked about Noah and the ark come into the ark, uh, and so on. And uh, we talked about the prodigal son. And interestingly, uh, there was a man came to the gate one time up at Emmanuel's school. And uh, I said hello to him. And immediately said, you talked to me about the prodigal son. I didn't know the man. I says, I talked in the prison about that. Oh, but he says, I was in the prison, and now I'm out. <laughs> so he was looking for uh, one of the teachers and uh, accommodation and so on. But it was interesting just that he remembered it. <clears throat> and uh, then another prison, it could have been 70, 80 prisoners in it. The Lord's Day morning service was 11, and uh, we uh, spoke on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we just got to the first three or four sections uh, of the Lord's Prayer. And then the last Sunday I spoke on the Psalm 121. And then the youth meeting at night, on the Sunday night, there could have been maybe uh, 60, 70 young people there. You want to hear them sing, folks? Uh, it was unreal. And the only music they have in the church, I've tried to get it on here, but they won't have it. Two big drums. And my, they could beat drums. You talk about lamb bed drums. That was unreal. And the two fellas up at the front, they would beat away, and then they, you would watch them, and they would put their head to the side just to see if they were in beat with the people singing behind them. And they were always... Well, I don't know whether there's any tune with a drum or not, but they had the right beat. And uh, it was marvelous. It was marvelous. And uh, they really, really enjoyed singing. You want to hear those young people singing on a Sunday night? Noreen had them singing for a good half hour. 
And that was, that was, I can still hear them singing yet. There's coming a day, Willie McRae's old hymn. And they loved to sing that. They loved to sing that. And then I would have passed on a wee message. I spoke on the fruit of the Spirit, the, the nine fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and divided it up, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And we had, I think, a, a blessed time around those uh, nine fruits of the Spirit. So that was basically uh, what took place. I, because I'm not a preacher, I find it hard studying. I usually took most of the morning <laughs> trying to prepare and maybe preparing a wee bit ahead of me. Uh, so uh, went out for walks and give out gospel literature just in the area around. I think David will just start, I'll, I'll dry up here and we'll start and let the folks see the photographs. This was near, these are not in sequence now. This is not a professional job. Alistair Hamilton and his daughter, I think they do the professional job. But this is just cool rain job. And uh, I just, I can't even remember who did it for me. I think it was one of the Telford boys that I text these to him. So this was just a man near the church. I was walking just up and he waved me in. He was sitting at his breakfast at 11 o'clock. So he said, and I sat down beside him. His wife was uh, sorting out peas. We'll show you just what way the peas work. But he was sitting just, the woman do most of the work there. Uh, well, that's most what I've seen anyway. But here was this man, and I sat beside him, and he was at his, it was bananas and sweet corn and peas and a sort of a stew. And I sat down the wall beside him. He says, would you like some? I said, I would love some. And really, it was beautiful. The bananas, they were the wee small bananas, but they're, they're green, green when, they're, when they pull them. And then they boil them, just the way we would boil potatoes. And that was, that was lovely. So this wee man, he says, can you take a photograph of me in my garden? So these were his cabbage, and then that was corn in the cob behind it. All right, David, and that's a wee outhouse. That's a sort of the road that we uh, walk on. It's not tarmac. You think it's bad between the Bushmills Road and the Ballycastle Road. So it is. But this is worse. Uh, and whenever the rain comes, it's just a mess. Just a mess. Go ahead, David. Uh, there's a wee girl. I, I say these are all mixed up. There's a wee. Can you make that bigger? No, it's, oh, it's big enough. I, I was at the airport in Entebbe sitting. And this wee girl went past with her mum. And I smiled at her. And she smiled back at me. And she came over and looked and looked and looked at <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what she thought but I went up then she was sitting on up with her mum and dad just up a wee bit and I went up and I says can I take a photograph of this wee girl oh I she says isn't she lovely I like the hairdo go ahead David Aye, that's just some of the houses that are around uh, the area it's just to give you a wee idea of what it's like uh, they grow bananas and they grow sweet corn 
they grow cow cow, uh, it's like a sweet potato, that type of thing. Everybody has a garden. Now that's uh, coffee beans, coffee beans, just out uh, on the ground, just beside a house, uh, and they dry them. And they have to be very careful because if it ha- starts to rain, oh, look at the time it is. Go ahead, David, that's... And that, there, there's Diamond's Timber Yard, just down the road. Uh, you want to see them big, big logs. The big lorry drops them up, and then they start with a chainsaw, and they just cut one side and another side. And then they roll it over, and they cut, make it into a big square plank, and then they put it in through... Uh, a machine to make it into those are small laughs. That was a home, a home I just was going past one day and I wanted to go and speak to them. I had tracks with me. And the lady, the lady on the right there, she invited me in to see her father. He was an old, old man. So we sat <coughs> and as best we could uh, talk to them. But lovely, lovely people. All right, David. That's just another picture too. If you want to go through these quite quick, those are just some of the houses. Some of them are very nice. Others are, uh, well, you just wouldn't maybe want to live on them. But uh, there you are. There was a man working just on the right-hand side. He was putting on that big door for a garage. And uh, I went in to speak to them and give them a wee gospel track. And that, those are just houses just in the area. That's the road. If you go down the way, or if you go up the way, it's just all the same. And it goes for miles and miles and miles. And every so often you have crossroads. And then they go this way and this way. <clears throat> you could get lost very, very, very quick. Those are two or three of the teachers out in the open air. Uh, standing uh, just in a wee type of a village. Go ahead, David. And those are some of the children <coughs> uh, around the village. There's the lady there. She brings them in from the garden. They're peas, just like peas in a pod. And she's a big, big, long stick. You see the stick? And she wheels at them and wheels at them. Is that the right word? Beats them, beats them, beats them until they're all separated. And then she would sit down just at her front door and she would just sort through them all, throw all the peas into a pot, and then take the shells and the stem away. It's a hard, hard life, hard life, folks. There's just, uh, where is that, David? I need my drinking glasses on to see them. Aye, that, that, just go back, could you go back, David? Aye, that's just a village we stopped in. And you see the big ridge there? Now, that's just washed away with water, with a heavy, heavy rain. Go ahead. That's just an open air. That's, that's my interpreter, Thomas. And he never doubted my word once, so he didn't. He wasn't like doubting Thomas in the Bible. And that's the Jeep, one of the Jeeps. I, that's Noreen's Jeep, and then I drove the other one just. Uh, and there's the... Uh, that's our own young people standing there uh, at the open air. The girl in the wheelchair, she never misses a service. If you go up to the wee village just up 
from Emmanuel School. She's a wee shop, and she comes faithfully. She's a lovely singer. She sang in church the last Sunday I was there. There's some of the cowboys in the school. They love their photographs taken. And uh, that's the boys at Emmanuel's school. That's Jude. He interpreted for me. Big, big, tall man, about six foot three. He interpreted for me on a Sunday morning. Or sorry, no, not a Sunday morning. Uh, when did he interpret? I, I forget me. I, the assembly, the assembly. <laughs> he interpreted for me at the assembly. There they're eating. Go ahead, David. There's, I bought them whenever we were in the town. I said Norman would like to buy all the children in the school. Uh, what do you call the wee? Tom Horton. Donuts, donuts, aye, donuts. So I bought 450 donuts for them. And uh, you took them round the class, some of them, <laughs> put them under their wee bag. That was so cute. So under the wee bag. And they kept it for their lunch. But some of the other ones, they were that hungry, they just devoured them. <laughs> Those are the kids there. They're giving them out there. Go ahead, David. <clears throat> That's just what they look like, the kids. And I don't know how they, ah, they're all the donuts. There's three other boys wanting their photographing. And that's the flags. That's the sight. And whenever it gets heavy, heavy rain, it's a bit of a mess, you know. That's where they would hold their assembly in the morning, just at that spot there. Uh, and that's the classes right down there. And then the toilets. And then if you went down round the bottom, that would be the boarding part for the, for the boys. And then up to the left here is the boarding part for the, for the girls. And that's what uh, Andy Foster, I think the time he was here, he was talking about that. Uh, a big 40-foot container. That's Noreen's one down on the left, and then that's uh, Master George is there on the, on the top and then the same as on the other side their offices so uh, that's, that's a great help to them and that's Pastor uh, or that's Thomas that was a morning service and he was interpreting for me it's an interesting thing you haven't people say how do you work with them? people interpreting for you but you have to, I, I did a lot of writing uh, so as I wouldn't lose my train of thought, you know. Uh, but Thomas was Thomas was wonderful. That was there's the two drums. If I had I had room in my case, I would have brought them home with me, <laughs> and uh, that would have been nice when I had them up here, you know, drumming away. But uh, I hope you're not recording this, David. I'll get excommunicated. No, and there, there's another open air, and. Uh, that area there is very, very uh, good for a Sunday school to start. A lot of children, a lot of children. Whenever the Reverend Cascadon goes out, there's opportunities galore for him and for more people to help. Uh, you pray that uh, there'll be somebody join him too uh, sometime in 
in the future because it's a big area and uh, the opportunities, as I said, at the start, a great door and a factual is open. And so there's the open air taking place. Once the open air is finished, maybe 20 young people all get gospel literature tracks right around the area. They are keen. They are keen. And that was just, they pulled up beside a woman's wee shop. The shop wasn't open. It only started about 10 minutes and she came to open up her wee shop. She couldn't get in because the jeep was sitting. So, uh, but anyway, she was, um, she was very pleasant, so she was. Oh, there's my kids there. I think the wee one in the middle, just see the wee one in the middle there, the wee, uh, that wee girl. I saw her down just down from my door and uh, her mum worked in the library. And I went down with a, a marshmallow sweet. Somebody there before me in the left, the big, you know the big marshmallows you would roast in the fire? A big bag of them. They were in the cupboard and uh, <coughs> I took her down one. And within 15 minutes, there was another three wee girls. And within half an hour, there was, well, you can imagine. Uh, and then, <laughs> whenever I had the door open every day, they went, they went to the wee nursery school, and then they were finished about half eleven or so. And if they had seen the door open, I would have been maybe sitting at the table or else, lying on the sofa, and I could hear, we need cities. We need cities. And they went on for five minutes. We need cities. And I give a lot out, and then I started to count them, and I hadn't enough to do me to the end of the time there. So I got a pair of scissors, and I cut them all in half. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, lovely, lovely children. And one day I was going to, so it's not 10 o'clock yet, no. I was going over to the teacher's Bible study. And of course, the seedy girls all came with me. And they hold your hand like a vice. And then they rub, because white skin, you know, like white skin. And they come over, half a dozen and come into the teacher's Bible study with me. And I couldn't get rid of them. As I say, they were, they held on to you like a vice. And I sat down, the teachers all would sit around in a circle. And of course, they all sat down beside me, and they got as close as close. One sat on my knee. And I didn't know what to do. And then Auntie Noreen, she says, I think you girls maybe need to leave. But they weren't for leaving. <laughs> so eventually then one of the mums uh, had a stern word with them and away they went. Beautiful wee kids, beautiful kids. That's the accommodation. That's on the left. That was where I stayed. Not a nice kitchen. That's what David or Andy Foster renovated that whole apartment. I was there just before COVID. It was just, it wasn't like that at all. But Andy made three bedrooms, a shower room, and but up that whole kitchen. That's where I stayed. So if I go again, or I shouldn't say if I go, when I go again, 
that's where I'll be staying. And there, there, there's the mosquito net. That was the bedroom. And that's another photograph of the kitchen. Nice, isn't it? Who would like to go? Anybody volunteer? Huh? Put your hand up. I'll, I, I, I'll, I'll sign you up tonight. Irene. Huh? Thank you very much. For, I, could, I could talk on. If you want to hear more, Give me a wee phone call or a wee text message after Christmas and we'll go to Costa for an hour or two. Not do, James, that's our place. <laughs> and we'll have uh, a Costa and I'll talk more about it. I could talk all night about it. I loved it. The Lord was so good. The Lord was so good. I must tell you one story just before I leave or before I have a wee time of prayer. I was to leave on Wednesday. I had it in my diary. Wednesday. I can't even remember the date now. I had to leave at six in the morning. A straight run right through to Antebbe from Emmanuel, Noreen. And she had brought a couple of other folk that had to stop off at a hospital. Anyway, Noreen, we said our farewells and we hugged each other and away we went. I went down and, oh, there's no flight today for that. <laughs> no flight. I said, well, it says on the ticket, Wednesday. Oh, but she says, that was changed because of the World Cup, and it's not till tomorrow. Now, it was my fault because Alistair had told me all about it and everything. The going away ticket was all right, but the return ticket was different. And they had talked to me on the phone, but I had it in my head that I was leaving on a Wednesday, and I took the wrong return ticket. So anyway, I went up into the office and they were more than nice. Sat down. The scene was a young fella and I didn't know where I was going. So they were very, very kind. He said, I'll phone a taxi and he'll come and he'll lift you and he'll take you to a hotel. Just five minutes from the airport. A lovely fella. Now he says, what sort of a hotel do you want? Five star, four star. And I was going to say a ten star, but... <laughs> Now I say somewhere just to keep me comfortable overnight. Well, he says, I'll take you, and if you don't like it, I'll take you to another hotel. So I liked it, and it was dead on. But anyway, the next day, I had a, an opportunity then of going around some of the shops and stores and tabby and uh, just shops like here. And he was to lift me at one o'clock. I went out under the veranda of the hotel with a cook of Coca-Cola over there too. And I was just sitting away at it on a big long table in the veranda, just overlooking the street. People watching again, you know, like in car watching and so on. Just been nosy. And this young girl come round and passed me. I said, hello, hello. And she sat just down four or five seats from me. I says, what brings you to Uganda? You're a whitey like myself. Oh, she says, I'm on a missionary trip. Oh, I says, <laughs> I said, so I'm just leaving from one. And we chatted for three quarters of an hour about the things of the Lord. And she was from America. She had a six months out from university. And she went on her own. She was in the border between Uganda and Kenya in a special care school looking after young people 
says, I'm just wanting to know what the Lord wants me to do for the rest of my life. Isn't that wonderful? And we prayed together, just in the veranda. Emily, the caller, so you can pray for Emily, just about 23 years of age. And uh, talked about her church, and it was a Presbyterian church, and so on. And afterward prayed, she says, what would you like me to pray for whenever I go home, Trevor? Pray for, about you. I says, you just pray, Emily, that the Lord will give me 10 more years to do what I'm doing now. So she says, well, so I'll be here when I'm, I don't know what age I'll be, John. What do you think, Johnny? Hmm? Huh? 75, nearly 76. But anyway, 86, that would be great. So anyway, the Lord bless you all. Thanks for listening. I'm sure I bored you to tears. But anyway, uh, a wonderful trip. And I would say to anybody here tonight, not so many young folk, but young folk, <coughs> go on a missionary trip. Go on a missionary trip. It's a wonderful experience. Opens your eyes, opens your vision. Well, we'll get down to pray. There's not so much time. Sorry for keeping you. But uh, we'd, we'd, we'd not stay too late tonight because it's cold and it's coming near Christmas. Uh, maybe, Jim, would you like just to lead us in a wee word of prayer and just have a few wee short prayers just remembering just the work in Kenya. It's a great need. Uh, and remember our sister Noreen. She's there now on her own. School's closed. There's no, no children there. She's spending her Christmas in Emmanuel. Just a single girl. And that's hard. And so pray for Noreen. Pray for the Cascadans as they would prepare to leave sometime, perhaps the spring, the summer. It's a big, big move for them and three children. So let her prayers just be on the work and Emmanuel and the surrounding areas. Just a minute or two's prayer each. Thank you.